Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's the weekend. It's all about sports. And it's all on Sal's mind. It's Sports Talk Saturday with Sal Capaccio on WGR Sports Radio 550. What time is this Florida-Tennessee game? Is that 3.30 today? 3.30? All right, so... So that's the SEC on CBS game, right? This game is not what it used to be. Although they're both, I believe, ranked top 20 right now officially, right? They're a little bit better, though. 15 and 19? Is that what I'm seeing? 15 and 19? When I lived down south, this was the game. I mean, you had a few. Florida State, Florida, State, Florida was always a big rivalry. Uh, Miami against Florida State was huge when I was in college and then kind of lost its luster. But when I was down in Florida... The Gators and the Vols were a big, big deal every year, right? And I'm just kind of thinking about that as I look at the TV because who was it? Someone almost beat Tennessee like in week one. I can't even remember. Appalachian State. Thank you. The team that beat Michigan years ago. But um, Tennessee could never beat Florida as good as they were. You know, that's what Peyton Manning didn't do it. And that's when, you know, Steve Spurrier was there. And you're probably too young to remember this. But at one point, Steve Spurrier made a comment. Do you know what the comment was about Peyton Manning and about not beating his team? This is why Spurrier is so polarizing. People love him or hate him. Some of the things like this. He once called FSU Free Sneaker University because they got caught up in a sneaker scandal with guys are getting shoes, right? And then one time he said, you can't spell citrus without UT because Peyton Manning kept going to the Citrus Bowl because he couldn't beat Florida. You can't spell citrus without UT. He That's said like that. troll before the troll. Oh, my gosh, know? right? So I'm watching this, and I'm looking, and it's on ESPN today. That's at 3.30, and it's 19 against 14. How in the world is Tennessee ranked 14 after almost losing to Appy State, though? That's what I want to know. Is everybody else just that bad? They were ranked, like, 7th. Yeah, I know, and they season, dropped. So they've dropped. Well, I, I think college football's better when those teams are better. College football's better when you have I, – I mean, look, when you have really great rivalries like Auburn-Alabama, of course – College football is better when those teams are good. When you have great rivalries, I don't know, Michigan and Ohio State, of course. If they're both good, oh my God. But you need some of these other like second-tier rivalries that have to transcend the region to make it even better. Florida-Tennessee is a really good rivalry in the South. But when both teams are good, it's like must-see TV on a Saturday at 3.30, right? What are other, some other ones like that? What are, what are some ones that... They're not as great as they used to be, but man, when they're good, they're really good. Well, you know what? I and it's coming and I think you back. Could, Notre Dame could be. I was going to say Notre Dame, Michigan. Yeah, the rivalry is gone, but it's coming back in two years, so that'll be good to see. But you need, you need. I think you almost need to have to play every year, and you need both teams kind of good. And it's not, it's not like the actual rivalry of the school. It's yeah, that's one of them. They're good because because Florida and Florida State are rivals, not Florida and Tennessee. But when Florida and Tennessee are both pretty good, that's a great weekend. I think Oklahoma, Texas. Good one. Good one. Because that's not the natural rivalry. Oklahoma right. and Nebraska would be the natural rivalry, yeah. I believe, there. And what's the Is it West Virginia Pitt? Is that the backyard brawl? Backyard brawl. brawl. 
That's a that's good really one too. good. That's, that's a good that, one. Yeah, if they you gotta have if both teams are really good, it just makes it for a better weekend when you have that because it transcends the region. You know, it transcends the region. Years and years ago, even before I was a student there, Syracuse and Penn State was that. But then Joe Paterno basically ended the series, and I believe the story I was told, and people could tell me I'm wrong or right about this, was that he was willing to sign another 10-year deal with Syracuse, but he wanted six games at Penn State, and Syracuse said, no, we're not doing that. So they ended the rivalry, and then all of a sudden the conferences started changing anyway. So all that stuff started happening. Penn State was independent by the time they were not at the time. They were not Big Ten. But that was a big one. But I agree. Those are some, those are some good ones. So I'm looking forward, forward today to Florida against Tennessee because I remember some of those other really good games back in the day when you had Philip Fulmer coaching at Tennessee and you had Steve Spurrier coaching at Florida and then Urban Meyer coaching at Florida. Uh, should be fun. Should be good. All right. So the Bills had a very interesting week going back eight days ago, really, to last Friday when they fired offensive coordinator Greg Roman. And I sat in here and, you know, we had a show last week and we talked about that. But now a lot more has come out since then. Uh, Sunday morning after I was on the air, 24 hours later with you here, a lot was rumored. A lot was I guess I would say debunked, um, dispelled. I don't know what you want. Dispel a rumor, a talk. There were some things that were truthful. There were some things that the team said that did happen or didn't happen. I wrote a report at WGR550.com on Sunday. And by the way, I'm out at a, a wellness walk on Sunday with my wife. You know, we're out there. It's Delaware Park. It's a nice Sunday to relax, try to get over what happened Thursday night with the Bills and move on to the Arizona game. I know they had some turmoil on Friday. And then suddenly all this other stuff breaks about secret meetings and ownership being involved with players. And I'm like, Oh my God, I got to get on this now. I got to do this. I mean, I love my job, but I was really looking forward to a good, nice, easy Sunday morning and then flowing into a Sunday afternoon to watch football. That did not happen, but we've had about, we've had eight days now to digest this. And we've had about six days to digest all the other things that went along with it. So I want to hear from you today about it and we'll touch on everything and go along and kind of reach out and try to grab all the tentacles of this story and where we go from here and move it forward, really. That's what we need to do now. I mean, Greg Roman's gone. That's happened. Now it's time to move forward and see where we are with this Bills team and what Anthony Lynn is going to bring, what it means for Tyrod Taylor, what it means for the offense, what it means for the team, and what it means for Rex Ryan going forward. And I'd like to hear from you today about that. 803-0550-888-550-2550. My name is Sal Capaccio. I should probably introduce myself here on Sports Talk Saturday with Nate Geary. By the way, you're going to hear a lot of Nate when I'm on the road uh, with the Bills, away games. Nate's going to be hosting on Sports Talk Saturday, uh, so you'll hear a lot of him. You'll hear him on with me when he's producing for when I'm here on Saturdays. That Essentially, the Bills are home, but pretty much we'll be uh, kind of in and out, rotating in on Saturdays. He's here as well today, and we're going to have a few guests come along your way today, so I want to get your calls in now before the next half hour when i got a, a couple of guests scheduled. In fact, at 1130, Darren Urban, Cards Chatter. On Twitter, I like that handle. He uh, covers the Arizona Cardinals, and he's going to give us the lowdown on what's going on in Arizona with the Cards, who are already, by the way, here in Buffalo. They traveled early because of you know the time change and the the long flight and things like that. So they're already here. So is he? We'll have him on at eleven thirty this morning. Darren Urban, who covers the Arizona Cardinals and has been for seventeen years, and find out about that team, which many, including me, picked to come out of the NFC. For Super Bowl 51 at 11:45, right after Darren, 
UB Athletics Director Alan Green is going to join me, and we're going to tell you all about tonight's game against Army. It's a big game for UB, playing the Black Knights, who come in here undefeated. And it's going to be a great crowd, hopefully, at UB Stadium. And we're going to tell you all about it and some of the festivities that are going on. So make sure you're here for that. And that is at 1145. And, of course, that game can be aired and heard, I should say, on our sister station, ESPN 1520, tonight at 7 p.m. 1 p.m. We'll shift gears. We'll talk with Paul Hamilton because the Sabres did open up camp uh, just a couple of days ago. We heard from players. They had their first practice yesterday, I believe. I've been covering the Bills so much, i got to make sure on that. But it was yesterday, I believe, they had their first practice. And Paul, obviously, is all over that. So we'll hear from Paul at 1 o'clock. The return of Three Dogs Saturday was last week. Didn't go so well, but it's all right. We're afloat. It's 1 and 2. I lost 1. I'm sorry. I won 1. I lost 2 last week. But at 1.30 today, we'll give you three more underdogs for your NFL weekend. That is Three Dogs Saturday at 1.30. What do you think about the move? to remove Greg Roman as offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. Does this in any way change your outlook on the 2016 season? What does it mean for not only the offense, but Tyrod Taylor specifically with his contract situation hanging over him and the organization? And what does it mean for Rex Ryan? I'd like to get your thoughts on all of that. If you just want to, kind of call up and vent your frustrations about how the first two weeks have gone, you are free to do that today because right now I know Bills fans are not in a good place. I know you're not. I understand that. 0-2, not the way you thought the season would start, not the way you hoped the season would start, staring at 0-3 with a really, really, I was going to use great, but I'd really say really, really good, really talented, really well-coached Arizona Cardinals team coming to Buffalo tomorrow. And then, oh my God, the New England Patriots next week on 10 days rest after they go 3-0 and without Tom Brady and with Jacoby freaking Brissett starting at quarterback on Thursday night. I put a Twitter poll out on my Twitter feed, at Cell Sports. By the way, uh, all your tweets are welcome. I'll try to read some along the way here this morning. But at Cell Sports on Twitter, I put a Twitter poll, a Twitter feed, wait, on my Twitter feed uh, yesterday. Or was it, no, it was Thursday night. It was Thursday night after the game. And the poll was, Nate, all right, you tell me how you think the poll results would have went. How do you, how, tell me how you would vote, and then tell me how you think the poll ended up. The poll was, what's more likely? Patriots go 16-0, or any NFL team this year goes 0-16. What's more likely? I think I would vote Patriots 16-0. Over the oh, it's so difficult in this league to go zero and sixteen. I agree. So many games, you play so many bad teams. Mm -hmm. Eventually, someone beats someone that shouldn't beat them. How it went, I'm gonna think it's. I think it's probably a little closer than you'd think. I'm gonna say like seventy five twenty five. Patriots sixteen. Even closer than that, sixty seven thirty three. Okay, sixty seven percent of you responded. The Patriots are more likely to go sixteen and zero than any NFL team this year is likely to go 0-16. And, and I agree with that. Although, I don't think either will happen. No. But you look at the Patriots' schedule, they don't have a lot of pitfalls. Oh, if they really, if if they can get by, look, they'd have to get by the Bills next week, which, by the way, I think the Bills can go there and beat them with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. I do. I think Rex Ryan can design a game plan 
to go in there and beat Jimmy Garoppolo. I certainly think they can beat Jacoby Brissett. Would I bet on that? Would I think the Bills should be favored? No, I just think they can. I think it's possible. It's plausible. But if they get by that game, the only one I really see where it's, ah, they got to go to Pittsburgh. That's tough. No doubt about that. So I think it's more likely that they were to go would to go would go 16 and 0 than any team goes 0 and 16. But I don't think it's likely that either of those things happen. Sal Sports on Twitter if you want to uh, find me there. So Greg Roman is out. And as this story has developed, and as I started telling you on Sunday, and I reported on Sunday morning last week, and was a lot of what I reported Sunday had been had been kind of then talked about throughout the week. Rex Ryan, the team, confirmed a lot of things, but you're free to believe what you want. You can say it's just team spinning things, whatever. My job's to report. This is what I found out. This is what I told you, and it turned out to be backed up, not only by them, but other reports, Associated Press uh, included. And that is that these talks about Greg Roman being fired, or at least, I should say, not that, talks about the offense and changing it and frustrations with it really went back into the tail end of last season and into the offseason. But Rex Ryan was not comfortable with firing his offensive coordinator after one year, especially after he was the one that was just hired with the job and he hired Greg Roman and the Bagulas are paying Greg Roman a lot of money to be an offensive coordinator. That's a tough deal. You can't just go to your owners and say, hey, by the way, it's been one year. I need to get rid of this guy. That's not a good look for you. And when you're trying to build continuity within your staff and within your organization, you that, that's hard to sell with ownership. And there's money there. But there were a lot of talks. There were a lot of discussions. And in case you missed it, I'm just recapping. Ownership was involved in some of these talks as they went on through the offseason with coaches, with front office, with players. They chat regularly with them. That's where that report came from that said there was a secret meeting. It was not a secret meeting. There was a meeting, but I don't know if you can even call it a meeting if basically my boss walks in here five minutes before the show and says, hey, man, what's going on? Everything good? You need anything? What do you think about what's going on with the show? If he walks in here after the show and says, how do you think things are going? Can I help you out? What do you like? What do you not like? Is that a meeting? I don't know. But if one boss walked in and another did not, is that a secret meeting? I wouldn't think so. That's not behind anyone's back. That's just chatting. That's pretty much what they've been doing, the ownership, for months. And because of those conversations with players, with coaches, with front office people, and other conversations that have gone on, everyone seemed to be on the same page that there were some things going on in the offense that needed to change, but people like Rex Ryan specifically were hopeful they would change and gave it an opportunity to change. When it did not change through two weeks, Rex felt the need to make the move. And of course, I'm sure a lot of that is he's 0-2, he's feeling pressure, of course. But he felt the move was justified now because after all these months, after all these talks, after all these frustrations, since it hasn't changed now, it's not going to change in week five, it's not going to change in week 10 or the bye week, i got to make a move now so things will change. As we've gone on in this process, I've learned more and more about the lack of inclusiveness that Greg Roman had with his assistant coaches and players in game planning and in meetings and things like that. And Greg Roman, as I wrote at WGR550.com last Sunday, is kind of like a mad scientist. He likes to get in his lab, he likes to come up with a game plan, and he doesn't want anybody touching it. That's his baby. And that's okay, I think, if it works for you and it works for a team and it works for a staff. That's okay. And I don't think Greg Roman's bad at it, by the way. So I'm not telling you he shouldn't do that. But this particular staff and players... And people in the organization just felt that more feedback was needed 
from everybody involved, and he just wasn't doing that. Why is Greg Roman like that? Well, let's go back to where he was in San Francisco with Jim Harbaugh, the man who basically controls everything. And the first couple of years in San Francisco, or even with Stanford or whatever, hey man, you're the offensive coordinator, but I'm really going to call plays. I mean, he was kind of like Curtis Modkins was in Buffalo under Changeli for a little while there in San Francisco. So once he got a little more rain, Greg Roman, he becomes a little more territorial. Hey man, this is my baby now. You're going to give it to me. I'm going to make sure. Don't meddle. Don't mess with it. You're giving it to me. And I understand that. I, I do. From a coach's standpoint, I would say I get where someone would be like that, especially if you have that type of personality on top of it that you are going to dig in and be smart and say, I know what I do works. Well, this particular staff, as I said, is more about inclusiveness. And Rex Ryan, as you know from his personality, is about bringing people in and bringing people together. And he didn't feel that that was happening. And because that wasn't happening, the changes that others wanted and thought needed to be made in the offense, like simplifying the volume, reducing the volume, I should say, reducing the verbiage, things like that. He felt that Anthony Lynn would be better for the job and that Greg Roman simply was not going to do this. So he needed to make the move. You can agree or disagree. That's why we have phone calls. 803-0550-888-550-2550. Let's go out to and start with Phil in Syracuse. Hi, Phil. You're on WGR Sports Talk Saturday. How you doing, Phil? Good, thank you. I feel like the Bob Wiley of Bills fans right now because we're pushing 16 seasons of no playoffs and more recently with the news of Greg Roman getting fired and just all the speculation that's been going on. I just feel like this is already spinning out of control, like I think a lot of Bills fans might think. And maybe that's the wrong intuition. But what I hope is with Anthony Lynn taking over uh, play-calling duties, can we get some screen passes? Can we get some plays that utilize uh, the talent that they've got on offense to the maximum ability? Because I think with Roman, I mean, you saw it. There were plays where they're not getting it in on time, Tyrod's looking to the sideline, and they were just flat-out taking too long in addition to, I mean, the fact you've got McCoy, and I haven't seen one screen pass run with that guy. And he was dynamite in Philadelphia when they ran the screen pass. So I just hope above all else, if they don't get this together uh, in the next couple weeks, we at least start to see some plays being called. And it's not to necessarily bash Roman, because I agree with you that he – He's a mastermind in his own. It just didn't seem to work for what the Bills had. I just hope, above all else, they finally start to run some plays that uh, you know you would have expected with some of the talent that they've got. And last but not least, just the thought that, hey, Rex hasn't had a winning season in, what, like six years, five years, six years, that's looming in the back of my mind that, oh, God, this is, this is getting out of hand, and I, I, I'm going to hate to see – this whole thing get blown up again, meaning Rex gets fired, the whole front office gets fired, and then we're starting from scratch. I want it to turn around. I want to see them beat Arizona, mm-hmm. going into New England, be 2-2, two and two, and then we're talking about, hey, the ship's been steered in the right direction. I don't want to see him sitting at 0-4 or 1-3 and and have to you know hear all the talk about, well, who are they going to go after in the offseason? Are they going to go get Frank Reich? I get more, I get more tweets about that than anything. I'll read you one right now, David. I get this right now. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Phil. I get one from David. David on Twitter says, 
Uh-huh. Should the Bills just shut down Sammy and basically tank? Because what does six and ten get us? This is this is exactly what I get. This is where fans are right now. But I hear you. The better option is go out and compete and play. And if you wind up with a win, you never know what happens over the next couple of weeks because that's what you do in sports. It's like the major league thing. They need to go into the locker room. You need a Lou Brown. <laughs> and uh, to paraphrase, and I'm not going to curse here, but you need to win the whole <laughs> thing. I got you, man. I got you. I got to run. Thanks, bud. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it a lot. All right, let's go out to uh, John in Rochester. Hi, John. You're on WGR. Hey, hey, Sal. You know, I'm, I'm kind of sad about losing Greg, Greg Roman, but uh, you brought up some good points as far as uh, being inclusive. He, he, he was sounding pretty independent, but in a way, you want independence. But I'll tell you, when you look at that offense, <clears throat> that offense scored 24 points against the Jets. We got that one defensive touchdown to make it 31. But, but, uh, and I was really shocked to see Tyrod Taylor's quarterback rating at almost 99. So I don't think uh, the, the firing was justified. I think Roman was a real positive for the team. I do have to admit, that thir- late in the game, that third and one, fourth and one, he brought EJ in, and they're they're trying to get him off sides and try to trick plays. That that was over the top, no doubt about it. And I think uh, uh, Rex got frustrated with that, and I think that probably broke the uh, broke the camel's back. What do you think about? I, that? I don't disagree, John. I think that's a good point you just made, and I I don't expect to see that that much in, anymore. And and if you heard me on on Monday on the extra point show, and even on Friday right after the game, I said. Why do you treat every third and one and fourth and one like you're reinventing the wheel? There's no reason to do that. Just go run a football play and don't have to have all these substitutions and backup quarterbacks in the game. It just doesn't. It just it seems a little ridiculous to me, to be quite honest. Well, remember last year in in, in London, he, he he pulled the same thing in the Jacksonville game. He well, he did it a few times last year. I mean, at the end of the year, there were a couple of times in both the last two games, I believe. Remember, EJ got excited for drawing a team offside with a hard count. I mean, Which, they did that. That was a that was a big play. I I'll go with that. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I was The crowd was definitely getting frustrated. I'm sure the Pagulas and Rex and everybody else got frustrated over that. But, man, I'll tell you, Greg Roman, that offense was starting to cook a little bit. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Got to run. Got a uh, tweet here. This is – all right. Chris says, Sal, you sound like CNN making excuses for Hillary. Hmm. I don't even know what that means because I really don't watch CNN anymore, but I'll take your word. I guess they do that if you feel so. Uh, come on. This was a knee-jerk reaction by the Pagulas to appease the fan base. Okay, Chris, I'll just say this. You are free to believe whatever you want. I'm reporting what I know, and you can have your own narrative. Go from there. If you don't believe me, hey, that's all right. That's cool. That's what make the, makes the world go around. I'm pretty confident in my sources and what I reported, though. In fact, I'm extremely confident. We'll take a time out. We'll talk to uh, Darren Urban, who's coming up next. He's been covering the Arizona Cardinals for 17 years. Where are the holes in this Cardinals team, if any? The Bills got to find them tomorrow, and we'll talk about that when we come back on WGR. <laughs> Saturday morning here in Buffalo. Welcome back into WGR Sports Radio 550. A little chilly this morning. Took the kid for a walk. Probably should have had a little more on than I did, but uh, once you get out there, you're like, ooh, maybe a little bit chilly in the air. But uh, going to be nice weather tomorrow. 
for the game. We're looking at high 60s, sunshine around kickoff. That's good. It's not as hot as Arizona, obviously. We're not in the desert, but we'll take that. That is a good fall day here in Buffalo and actually going to be one of the cooler days uh, this week and into next week. But should be really good weather for the Cardinals and the Bills, and we'll have all the coverage for you right here on WGR Sports Radio 550, starting with breakfast with the Bills in the morning and heading all the way through my man Nate Geary, who's going to be on the overtime show, overtime show well after the game. And the man who's been covering the Arizona Cardinals for about 17 years now is Darren Urban. You can find him on Twitter at Cards Chatter. He's here in Buffalo now, I believe, enjoying that beautiful weather that we have ready for the game tomorrow. Thanks, Darren. I really appreciate it. And are you here in Buffalo now? Yes, uh, we got here last night, so uh, we got the day to burn up in uh, Buffalo, and the weather is uh, pretty nice. All right, that's cool. That's cool. Anything you got? Anything planned? You going to go to Niagara Falls? Just going to have some wings? Anything good? Special? <laughs> might head in downtown later today I uh, as soon as I get a chance, but uh, I, I don't know if we're going to get up to the falls. All right, well, uh, those chicken wings are pretty good. We, we, we boast about them because they are the best, so make sure you uh, get some of those on your way. Hey, Darren, I have, I have looked high and low. I've searched, and I'm trying to find a way that the Buffalo Bills can attack the Arizona Cardinals. Where are they anywhere vulnerable on that really what seems like loaded roster? Well, I mean, obviously no team is is uh, is perfect, and and as the, the Cardinals have already found out this season, when they played the Patriots uh, without Brady and without Gronkowski, now clearly the, the Patriots have shown uh, they've got some things going for them, uh, even shorthanded, uh, and I think that has made the Cardinals feel a little bit better about themselves. But look, the the, the Cardinals are in, are in a place where you know they came into this season expecting to be a contender, and uh, they've built up their roster. Uh, it hasn't, you know, gone completely smooth at this point. I mean, there's been a couple things that they they need to work on. Even even last week, uh, the Buccaneers were able to to move the ball a little bit uh, more than the Cardinals would have liked in in certain circumstances. But uh, but they're coming off a good win. They they're very balanced offensively. They've got a nice run game. They obviously can throw the ball. And defensively, after some rough spots in the Patriots game, uh, they they seemed to come together last week to force five turnovers so uh they feel good with where they are but the whole week was spent talking about what they didn't do right last week uh and maybe that's a a sign of a good team when you start talking about uh winning 40 to 7 and and complaining about what you missed no doubt about that when i watch them on film i just see how great their their uh, coverage is down the field especially it looked like winston was just so frustrated he really started to make some bad throws which of course may have contributed to some of those turnovers but what about the short passing game are there maybe it seems like maybe there's a little window there to get some running backs involved maybe get rid of the ball and uh, get some yards after catch if the bills can do that is that something that the the opponents might want to try to take advantage of in that arizona defense because their coverage is so good down the field well, I mean, obviously that was something the Patriots did uh, with a lot of success was the short passing game. And, and the Cardinals felt like uh, they they backed off too much and were not aggressive enough in that first game, uh, which changed last week. They blitzed, I don't know, something like 43% of the time last week and got a lot more aggressive. And, you know, the, the Cardinals feel like if they tackle well, that's something that they're going to be able to, you know, exploit if, if they can get some pressure on the quarterback and, and, and Taylor has to dump the ball off, and then they make the tackle in front of them. They feel that they can, you know, force uh, some punts in the situation. Can can that happen? Yes. I mean, I do think that you're right. I think that the Cardinals' strength is going to be down the field. Uh, you know, obviously they have Patrick Peterson, and then last week they had uh, Marcus Cooper, 
who is is a guy who they they traded for right before the end of, uh, or right at the end of the preseason. Um, they were had they had rookie Brandon Williams playing that number two cornerback spot. He had had some struggles um, this way. You know, Marcus Cooper's got some years in the league. He had two interceptions last week. He was the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. And they feel like they've settled that position down a little bit. So they do feel like they've got uh, a better situation. And obviously, if Sammy Watkins is, even if he plays, if he's not 100%, that obviously dents the, the Buffalo uh, passing attack. Darren Urban joining us here on WGR Sports Radio 550. Bills cards tomorrow, 1 p.m., all the pregame coverage, postgame coverage, and, of course, the game right here on WGR. Larry Fitzgerald, the only game he's ever had in his entire career, rookie year here in Buffalo, that he did not catch a pass. Every other game, 181 straight after that, he's caught a pass. I don't expect that to happen tomorrow. He is off to a great start. But what about that wide receiving core, Darren? Can you kind of just break down the weapons they have there? Because, boy, it just really seems like they come at you in waves. Well, I mean, it's funny because they, at this point, they don't feel like, other than Fitzgerald, that they've had great play from their receivers in three two games. Uh, but, but they obviously have the talent. Um, you know, you mentioned Fitz, who, who's had a very nice start, three touchdowns in two weeks. He continues to be the uh, the main guy for this offense, even though he plays from the slot a lot of the times now these days. Michael Floyd is in a contract year, is off to a relatively slow start, but he's proven multiple times that he's very capable down the field if you start to forget about him. They've got John Brown, who had 1,000 yards last year. He's off to a really slow start because he had a concussion in training camp and barely practiced, uh, and he's finally getting back to where he feels like he can be. You know, he told me this week that he feels like, you know, as soon as they're ready to go to him, he can be the receiver he was last season. So that'll be something to watch tomorrow. Uh, and then they got two other guys, Jerron Brown, who's way under the radar, had a big touchdown catch last week, who, uh, you know, he, I think he could be a major contributor for a lot of teams. And he's, he's basically the fourth receiver, and that doesn't even include J.J. Nelson, who was inactive last week, uh, but he's a, a total speed demon. He was uh, nursing a shoulder thing. Uh, and if he's active, he's a guy who can completely stretch the field over the top. So um, they have compiled this great group of receivers. Obviously, the Bills struggled a little bit down the field uh, against the Jets in their last game. Uh, if the weather's right, and it looks like it's going to be not only uh, without much you know, weather but not even wind mm-hmm. uh, tomorrow, I think the Cardinals feel like they can attack down the field. Tell me if uh, Evan Mathis and even Kareem Martin or Frosty Rucker and their situations and how that impacts uh, this game. Obviously, Evan has already been ruled out, didn't even make the trip, but uh, Martin and Rucker are doubtful. But how does that uh, do anything to the Arizona lineup? Well, I mean, not having Mathis is the big one. I mean, they've got depth. Uh, Kareem Martin's a backup linebacker, and Frosty Rucker, while he's a starter, they've got a lot of depth on the defensive line. So I don't think that'll impact their defense too much, especially since they didn't play last week. The Evan Mathis thing will be interesting. He plays right guard. Uh, he's a veteran uh, next to uh, a right tackle in D.J. Humphreys who didn't play at all last year in his rookie year. So he's just now getting into his his career and they like the fact that Mathis can kind of help Humphreys on the field. And so instead you'll have Earl Watford at right guard who has been around a couple of years but he's not Evan Mathis and so it'll be interesting to see if the Bills try and attack the right side of that uh, Arizona offensive line at all. Um, because Mathis, even though he was banged up last week, uh, he's still a savvy enough veteran that he, he knows what he's doing. I mean, I, I don't expect it to have a huge impact on uh, the Cardinals offensively or what they do. 
Um, but it is definitely something to watch, especially with the way uh, Rex and Rob Ryan run their defense. And I know there's no more probable designation. You can only do questionable or doubtful or out. Uh, Bethel, the cornerback, and Robert Kimdiche, who a lot of people thought the Bills might be targeting in the draft, they're both listed as questionable. Do you expect them to play? Uh, I I definitely think Bethel will play. Kimdiche, I don't know if he's going to play, but I, I think that has less to do with his health and more to do with the depth on the defensive line. They've got nine defensive linemen on their active roster. Frosty obviously is doubtful and probably doesn't go, but they only usually have six up on game days, which means you've got to have two guys inactive. And Bruce Ayn said multiple times, even though Kimdiche is uh, dealing with an ankle, he said multiple times this week that his his practice would have to be really good because the guy the six guys that were active last week Kandichi was not uh, the six guys that played last week played really well and he doesn't see the necessarily the need to to swap somebody out uh, if if there's no reason to unless Kandichi showed something in practice so my guess is there's a chance he's going to be inactive just because. The other guys have earned the right to play, and, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, again, they've built up this roster enough where, as I mentioned, uh, last year D.J. Humphreys, their number one pick, was inactive every game, and they and they made it to the NFC Championship this year. They got a number one pick, Robert Kemdichi, and there doesn't seem to be any kind of uh, fret of whether he is actually active on game days or not. They're that deep. So uh, they've done a nice job with a roster where they don't even need to lean on their number one picks if they don't have to. Darren Urban, Cards Chatter on Twitter. Uh, the Bills last played the Cards here in 2004. You've been covering the team a long time. Are you at that game? Did you come up here for that? Uh, oh, yeah, I was at that game. I was actually, I was at that game. It was pretty miserable. It was windy. It was uh, chilly. It was definitely rainy, and it was some really bad football. I remember that, especially <laughs> from the Cards. But the franchise has come a long way since 2004, that's for sure. And so has our uh, area here in Buffalo, as you'll see when you go downtown. So I'm... I'm imploring you to go down there, check it out, because you will uh, really enjoy it from the last time that uh, your team was here, whether or not you saw it or not. There's been a lot of great things that have happened uh, here in our city and really spurned by the uh, owners of both the Sabres and the Bills now, uh, Terry and Kim Pagula. So head on down there, enjoy your day in Buffalo today, and uh, enjoy the game tomorrow and the nice weather we'll give you. I will do that. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. That's Darren Urban at Cards Chatter on Twitter. I'm going to take a quick time out, and when I come back, Alan Green, the Athletics Director at UB is going to join me. Big game tonight for the Bulls against Army here in Amherst. Here comes Hawkins in motion. They fake it to him. Rush coming screen pass. Caught by Jordan Johnson at the 45, at the 50. Got a blocker at the 40, at the 30. There he goes. At the 20, at the 10. It's a Buffalo touchdown. Of course, the... Great voice of Paul Peck. Call and play-by-play there for the UB Bulls football team tonight. They take on Army right here in Amherst. Just a few uh, football fields away from where I'm sitting and currently actually standing. About to talk to Alan Green. Now listen, i got to tell everybody. If there is a, a better-looking, more successful version of me out there... It's hard to find, but I think this guy is him. He's a better-looking, more successful version of me. And if, you, if we're in the same room, you know what I'm talking about. Right, Alan? Come on. <laughs> Sal, I got you, man. Hats off to you, <laughs> Good to talk to you, man. Good to talk to you. You got a big game here tonight in Buffalo. We got great weather out here. You got a lot of festivities. And I don't think people realize all the cool things that are happening on campus tonight. So if you can kind of just run through it for everybody and all our listeners to kind of know what they have the options of doing here tonight. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. Um, we've come so far with uh, the experience and the atmosphere. 
for on, on a Saturday for a UB football game. So we talk about being family friendly, talking about being able to hang out with some friends or network with some professional people, be able to tailgate, have a drink, have a, have a hot dog, um, and then enjoy the game. And I think it's perfect for the kids, too, to be able to jump on some inflatables. I've um, got a pregame concert happening. got a great football game happening tonight. We've got fireworks. I don't know. In my opinion, it's huge. It is huge, and it's going to be fun. And I know that the team is off to a slower start than everybody would want, including you. But what a better time to get back on the right track against an undefeated team here at home in front of your home crowd. This would be the great time to do it, wouldn't it? Absolutely. You know, it's funny. We talk, I, know, I was talking to Coach Leopold, and one of the things that we know is that this is a process. And I know we, we haven't played as well as we would have liked to, but one of the great things about this sport is that we have uh, we got 10 more games to, to get better. And um, hopefully tonight we can be disciplined and, and play some really good football. No doubt about that. And by the way, uh, ticket office does open at Alumni Arena at 12 noon. So right when we get off the phone here, you're talking to me. People can go down there. Uh, they can buy tickets. 3 o'clock, as you said, the stadium uh, ticket office and VIP experience. Will Call is going to open. you got the St- Stampede Square opening up. All those things that you're doing, Stampede Square, the concerts. you got David, uh, 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 let me say this right, David Nail right there tonight. Yep. And, and how, how is all that going? How has that been uh, received so far by the alumni and the fan base? Because it, you guys started this a little while ago, and it's, it's still kicking pretty strong, it seems like. Yeah, we started this about, uh, about three years ago and wanted to bring something different to, um, to our, our culture. We recognize that Buffalonians love concerts. Um, they like to have a, a, you know, a bottle of beer and, a, and a, some food. So <laughs> it's one of those things that allows, allows adults to go have a good time. It allows the kids to have a good time and, um, and enjoy just the, the beautiful fall weather in Buffalo. No doubt about it. And I know uh, going forward, there's a lot of things that you really want to do with the athletic department. And I know you're out there really you know, kind of beating the drum for some of the things that the, the football team would like to do going forward. And one of those things is, is an indoor facility. And I'll give you a chance right now to kind of tell everybody how important that would be for the football program if uh, we could reach that goal. Yeah, the, the indoor practice facility, as I've said, is a game changer. It's something we have as, as a university have been talking about for the better part of 15 years. Um, we're really close. We're actually in design phase right now, um, which is a, a, a tremendous step toward, uh, toward getting to the, the end product of putting shovels on the ground. We still have more money to raise, though. So if there's anybody out there that wants to uh, that recognizes how important it is that the city of Buffalo and the flagship university in the state of New York um, make progress in terms of athletics, it's buying season tickets, it's supporting the Bulls, um, it's helping us raise money, being philanthropic, wearing our uniform it's wearing our gear and it's tweeting about us um all that excitement i think is just starting to be generated particularly through basketball and um we're really looking forward to helping uh helping our football program and our all of our 530 student athletes be successful yeah no doubt and when i look at the football program where it's come and where it's going you look at there, there there's plenty of guys now in the nfl we can point to that this football program is producing talent they're putting nfl talent on the field a guy like khalil mack who's one of the best players in the nfl today brandon oliver unfortunately you know suffered the injury but there is some talent right. out there that's going to play at the next level alan which is pretty cool yeah, you know, I taught them everything that they know. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, you did, right? <laughs> it's funny. A couple of years ago when Khalil got drafted, I was, I was coming through the Buffalo Niagara Airport, and there was a guy that said, hey, you work at UB? And I was like, I sure do. I work in the athletics department. And he's like, hey, man, that's great. I'm so happy for Khalil. It just goes to show you that, that you don't have to go to a, a big brand school necessarily to be successful. Um, you can do it at UB. And I'm like, you know what? You're absolutely right. You can, you can be successful by going to UB, and, and we're happy to uh, – to have the likes of Khalil and Brandon and, and Shum and, and, uh, and Starks playing in the NFL for us. 
And, of course, uh, down the road, just so everybody knows, of course, uh, you have the game against Army, and then there are more home games. Uh, Kent, a uh, 3.30 start, haven't uh, determined the start yet for uh, Ball State, but they're going to be coming to town next month. And then, of course, we go all the way in through uh, November. you got home games throughout the year. So still plenty of UB football to see down here at Amherst, right? Absolutely. Again, I think it's a great family-friendly environment. Um, it's right here in the suburbs and, in the, you know, in the north town. It's really, really easy to get to, very inexpensive. And, again, I wouldn't, you know, it's one of those things where – I bring our friends out there and people that come to town, and every time someone comes to a game, they tell me, wow, I didn't know UB had this, or wow, I didn't know it was this fun. So I encourage all the fans out there that love sports, love football, just come give us a try, come check it out, and I guarantee you'll be impressed. Alan Green, the Athletics Director at UB. You can find him on Twitter at A Green. that's with an E on the end, IV. Is that, you're the fourth? Is that, the, is that what the deal is there? You're the fourth? <laughs> yes, I am the fourth. I think I might do that on my Twitter just so I can be the fourth, because that looks cool. I just like the way it looks. I'm going to put it on all the jerseys I buy. I'm going to put Capaccio IV just so I can be yeah, the fourth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. RG3 is still my <laughs> IV, I'm sure of it. There you go. And by the way, by the way, in case people don't know, I know, and some do, that uh, you played in the Yankees organization. I'm a big Yankees fan. What happened to our Yankees? They were right there. I thought we were ready to do it, and then all of a sudden they yeah. fell apart when they went to Boston. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was watching a little bit of the game last night. I think the Yanks, are, they were at least nine and a half games out. Um, you know what? It doesn't, and that goes to show you. It doesn't matter how talented you are. It's all about uh, the size of the dog, the size of the fight in the dog, and and hopefully the Yankees can pull together and uh, and continue to be successful. But that's a great program and franchise to be a part of. Hey, uh, best of luck tonight. Really successful day today out at UB, and I hope everybody gets a chance to experience and enjoy it. It's going to be a fun time. Seven o'clock, Army against UB, fifteen twenty ESPN. Also on TV on ESPN three. Alan, thanks a lot. Always appreciate talking with you. Sal, it's always a pleasure. Hey, horns up and go Bulls. All right, thanks a lot. That is Alan Green. He is the Athletics Director at the University at Buffalo. I say it right. Some of you still don't. It's not University of Buffalo. It's University at Buffalo. Now, is it proper terminology, though, however, Nate, to say the Athletic Director at the University at Buffalo or the Athletic Director of the University at Buffalo? I think it's got to be of. The, univer- the athletic director of the university. I think so at too, right? I th- it would be weird to say at and at. Well, it sounds weird to say that, but yeah, that, but, but it, that, know. but that shouldn't matter. The second part, the second at, shouldn't matter. That's the official name. That's true. You know, because my... I could say he's the athletic director of UB, or I could say the athletic director at UB. Which one is better? Which one's more proper? We I, should let's put a poll up or something. We should get this down so the next time I interview the man, I could know. I hope my college writing professor isn't listening because he would just <laughs> he would be, be screaming, be screaming at you screaming, right now. Where's your AP Styles book? I know, right? Uh, and the internet today, those AP Styles does that even matter anymore with the internet now? 140 uh, characters on everything, blogging, right? I used to have weekly tests on the <sighs> AP Styles book, man. Hey, uh, Alan's, a, Alan's a really, really engaging personality, and uh, follow him on Twitter at A Green. That's with an E on the end, by the way. A Green, IV, the fourth. So uh, he's got a lot of information about in the UB uh, accounts that are tweeting it out. UB football, UB athletics, they're all tweeting about tonight and uh, what's going on. All right, we'll take a timeout. All right, when we come back, I, I don't know if you've read this. I just saw who's doing the Super Bowl, I guess, the halftime show. I haven't. Uh, I'll reveal it. I don't know if it's big news out there at everybody yet or or not. We'll do that. And... A little bit later, there is a retirement in sports that's happening, and we're going to try and put his career into perspective today on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.